welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So we're going to talk about the cross today in probably the most abstract way possible, if that's all right with you. And this sermon is way better than I even thought it was going to be. And it's probably not actually the sermon. You need to go and do research. Like, seriously, this is amazing. Do you want me to swap microphones? So we're going to talk about the whole book. You know how people have favourite Bible verses? Mine's in Habakkuk. It's a couple of them, favourite Bible verses. My favourite book of the Bible might seem a bit abstract, but it is probably after this sermon going to become your favourite book of the Bible. It's the book of Philemon, or how do people say it? I say Philemon, and my brother, who's an Anglican minister, always tells me off. How do you Philo? Philemon, yes, that's how he says it, Philemon, it's Philemon. (laughs) So I'm sorry if I'm triggering you with how I'm pronouncing it. But the book of Philemon is phenomenal and we're going to talk about the whole book today. The good news is it's only 25 verses for those that are going, oh, she's reading a whole book of the Bible. It's 25 verses, so it's really short, it's really easy, but it is one of the most powerful books of the Bible once you get an understanding of it. So we're going to talk about the book and it's a book that Paul wrote and so for Paul to write this letter, there's a reason for him to write it. So I'm going to share with you what's going on for the lead up to Paul actually writing this book, okay? These are like the headlines. So Philemon is a wealthy man, wealthy and influential man in Corinth at the time. Yeah, I'm saying that right. He's wealthy and influential, right? So he's got money, you know, doing a great life, got lots of people looking up to him. And then somehow we believe we, like I'm a scholar, <laughs> somehow he then meets Paul and they believe that he meets Paul in Ephesus and becomes a follower of Jesus. So here's Philemon meeting Paul in Ephesus, becomes a follower of Jesus, then comes back to Corinth, connects with the other followers of Jesus in Corinth and then goes, you know what, I'm going to run a home church. With their blessing, they'll go, yep, great idea. You've got influence, you've got wealth, you've got space, you can do a home church. So here's Philemon now pastoring at his home, looking after a congregation of people in his home church. Now back in those time, back in the time that this was written, slaves were very common. So Philemon has slaves. We might say, how can a Christian man have slaves? Well, it was very common, so don't judge him for that part. So Philemon has slaves. One of his slaves is a guy called Onis... Oh, sorry, I'm, I've got to read it. And I'll probably say it a bit wrong. Ones, oh, Onesimus. Onesimus is his name. And Onesimus understands the... the, the the rules of the time. He is a slave, which means if he runs away, one of four things can happen. He's got to repay everything that, all the loss of wages, everything, all the loss of income while he was absent. He could be branded as in tattooed for life as a slave for this guy. He could be imprisoned or he could lose his life. That's all slaves knew it. That's the way the world was back then. So you've got Philemon, a follower of Jesus, running a home church with his slaves. His slaves there, Onesimus, and Onesimus runs away. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what Onesimus does. 
He doesn't say, you know, we have no idea what he does. But Onesimus knows the consequence of running away. The consequence of running away are these four things. So what he does, obviously the consequence of what he does must somewhat match to the consequence of running away. And he goes, I'm going to take my chances and run away that they'll never catch me. Obviously, Lee's using a bit of poetic licence to get to these conclusions, but you can see it's a logical conclusion. He runs away. He does something and runs away. And in his running away, he somehow comes across Paul. Somehow. This just shows us how good our God is. Seriously. He could have run away and found anyone. He just happens to run away and finds Paul. If you ever doubt the kindness of God, just look at this. That's the kindness of God for whatever reason, you know, boxing Anephesus in till he gets to Paul. And here he goes. He gets to Paul. Paul finds out what he does. Now you've got to understand, sorry, you've got to understand Paul at that time has been in prison two years and he's at the moment preparing for his trial to be released. He's preparing for his trial to be released. One would say when you're preparing a trial for your life to be free, you might not want to help strangers out. But here's Paul preparing for his trial of freedom and he lays down his life to help the one. Wow. He lays down his life and goes, Anesimus, you've got my time. I'm going to help you. So in that point of time, he finds out what he's done and then Onesimus becomes a follower of Jesus. He laid down his life for the one. Onesimus becomes a follower of Jesus. That leads us to then Paul writing this letter to Philemon. Already with that backstory, you know this book of the Bible is going to change your life. Like how good of a backstory is that? This is what's happened in the lead up for them, Paul, to go, I need to write a letter to Philemon. This is what's happened. I've got to write it. So here we go. Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. Yes, I'm reading the whole book. And so are you. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from our God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. What a start to a letter. Imagine getting a letter starting like that. So good. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for his people, for all of his people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in faith will be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your Lord has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. What a start to a letter. He's saying, your love for all of God's people. So here's Paul saying to Philemon, your heart for all of God's people. It's like he's laying a bit of a foundation here. He's laying it down, your love, your support, your refreshing of the hearts of God's people. 
Here's what Philemon has been doing and will continue to do. And Paul's encouraging him and endorsing him and saying, well done for these attributes. Paul could have said well done for heaps of things, but he chose to hone in on Philemon's love for God's people. Notice how he didn't say your love for the people that gather in your church, in your house. He didn't discriminate. Paul didn't discriminate saying you, you encourage the people that come to your services. You encourage the people that come and gather at your house. He said all of God's people. All of God's people. Side note. Friday, I got really angry with one of my neighbours and I don't know which one. <laughs> I met the new neighbour and he was sharing with me that he started work on Friday after 9am when rules allowed him to. And one of the neighbours had the biggest go at him, verbally abusing him, how dare you work on Good Friday. Like they play football on Good Friday, restaurants and cafes are open Good Friday. And I, Justin and I were there and we, look, we're pastors of church and I'm really sorry you, you got that. I'm really sorry. And here's Paul saying to Philemon, your love for all God's people. Just putting it out there. Let's keep reading. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none, sorry, it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. But I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to me and you. I'm sending him who is my heart back to you. I would have liked to have kept him with me so that I could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Here's the, a big point in this story. Here's Paul writing this letter to Philemon. How did the letter get to Philemon? Onesiphus had to deliver it. We know he delivered it because here it is today. What Paul was asking Philemon to do was out of this world. Paul knew that Philemon had every right to see Onesimus's head to end his life. Paul knew by sending Onesiphus to Philemon... This is a big decision here. This is a big move. Because Paul is asking Philemon to not just accept him back as a slave, but back as a brother. In society at that time, that's unheard of. That's like unheard of. And Paul is saying, I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending him back to you. With everything that's gone on, him running away, I'm sending him back and I'm asking you to accept him as a brother, as a family member. 
Perhaps the reason he'll separate from you for a little while was that you might, I'm going to come back to this point, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and a brother in the Lord. Paul knows, Paul knows two Christians here. Sorry, two followers of Christ. I prefer that. Two followers of Christ here. Two followers of Christ in disunity is not okay. So as much as I want to keep Onesimus with me helping what I'm doing, I'm sending him to you for reconciliation. This is how important unity is for followers of Christ. This is how important unity is in the kingdom. So I'm going to send him back to you. I want to keep him, but I'm sending him back to you so you two can reconcile and not just reconcile so he can be your brother. So you can go against the norms of society, the norms of today, the, the, expe- the expectations of what is acceptable today and actually have him as a family member, not a slave. Wow. Are we getting this? The power of this picture right now. Paul could have kept him. Paul wanted to keep him but chose reconciliation and family of two followers of Christ over my needs right now. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If, you, if he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience, I write to you knowing you will do even more than I ask. That's a bold, confident statement, isn't it? What I'm asking of you is ridiculous. I'm asking you to go outside society's norm and I know you're going to do even more than the very thing I'm asking of you. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Ephesus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings and so do Mark, uh, other people. Are we getting this? The main thing I want to highlight from this right now, the main thing. Here's Paul. I hope you got this picture as I was reading. Here's Paul doing this. Out of all Paul's letters, Philemon is the only letter Paul doesn't talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because he shows them himself. He shows them what the death and resurrection of Jesus does. So you've got Paul saying, here's this man. I'm going to take it a step further. You've got Paul whose name, that time names meant everything. A Paul whose name meant humble and lower. You've got Paul representing Jesus who humbled himself, who lowered himself, talking to Philemon, whose name means love. Paul, who's humbled himself, talking to Philemon, whose name means love. 
pleading with Philemon, whose name means love, to accept Onesimus back, who ran away. Onesimus who ran, who wanted nothing to do with love, who wanted nothing to do with anything to do with Philemon, who ran away. Onesimus' name means youthful, good-hearted, faithful. And here's Paul saying to love, you, I'm sending you useful, good-hearted, faithful to reconcile with you because he's going to help build your kingdom. He's going to partner with you. He's going to walk with you. He is family with you. And reconciliation has to happen for this deal to work. Oh my goodness. This is the best picture of what Jesus accomplished on the cross of what He did on the cross so that my life, when I run away, here's Paul, who's humble and servant, saying, go back, Lee. Go back to love. Go back. And I'm going to take all the debt. I'm going to pay the price for everything you've done. I'm going I'm to carry that so you can go back to be family and not slave, so that you can go back with no punishment, This is who our God is. This is who He is. Jesus paying it all, who humbled Himself on this weekend, who humbled Himself so that I can go back to the Father. Everything paid for. All debts wiped. The consequence of me running away could have been but he's paid it all for my life. He could have been preparing for his trial. Get this, Jesus could have been preparing for his trial but instead chose the one. Paul chose the one instead of preparing for his trial because he loves the one. Because the one life matters. The one counts. The one is valuable. You matter. You count. Your life is valuable. Man. You'll never look at that book in the Bible the same. It's probably your favourite book of the Bible now too. So go home and read it. Go home and get an understanding. Go home and study it and look into it. For me, it became my favourite book of the Bible 12 years ago. And one day I'll share with you why. And from then, it's been a dear part of who God is. And this week, as I studied it yet again, I found more in it. I remember my mum sharing when I was in Bible college. I'm going to end with this. My mum put the Bible down and all of us students were sitting there and she said, everyone's seeing the Bible from a different angle, but we're all seeing the Bible. It doesn't matter how many times you read the same verse, you still get different things from it because it's who our God is. It's who he is. It doesn't matter how many times I read the book of Philemon, this week I got more from it than I had previously because it's who our God is. He's a good God. 
So I'm going to pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, God, for writing a book that is so beautiful and have your story through it so powerfully that as we dive in, we get to see layer upon layer of it. That the gospel is simple, but so complex. I thank you for everyone in Echo Church, God, that as we celebrate today and every day, may we remember why we're celebrating, what we're celebrating and who we're celebrating. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I um, pass on to Penny, two things I want to say. If you want to talk to me after church, if you need prayer for anything, if you want to hear more about Jesus, if you want to say, I actually want to be a follower of Jesus, or I was and I've run away, I want someone to pray for me. Come speak to me after church and I'd love to do that. The second thing I want to say is I, I saw this quote this week and I want to end with this. The good news of Jesus is very personal but not private. It is extremely personal. It's between me and God. Extremely personal. But it is not private. It is not for me to keep a secret. It is for me not to hide away and put it in a private place. It's for everyone to hear. So today, when you're meeting with family and loved ones and friends, remember the good news for you is personal, but it's not private. It's so worth sharing. So worth sharing.